chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, I am going to read this account. I ask you to read the parallel account in Mark 7 on your own because it sheds a little bit of light on some of these verses. But Matthew 15, verse 21 through 28, then Jesus went thence or from there and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast, and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It's not meat or good to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. She said, Truth, Lord, if the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table, Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. In verse 28, that little sentence there, O woman, great is thy faith. That's our title. As we look into this particular episode. This is an account of intercession. If you understand what intercession is, you know that when you have a burden on your heart that you cannot handle on your own, you go to God. Typically, you go to God on someone else's behalf. In the preceding verses, Jesus had some dialogue with the scribes and Pharisees, and we know from the end of chapter 14 that this occurred in the area of Galilee, but once he was done dealing with them and all of their laws and traditions, he felt led to leave there and go into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. It was from the city of Tyre that Solomon received so much of his lumber that he used to build the temple. They floated it some 30 miles down that sea in order for him to be able to put together a house for God. But presently, this part of the world is in Lebanon. And our Savior, if you've ever looked at a map, particularly one that is measured out to scale, if you follow the career and the travels of Jesus, you'll see he was on the move All the time. He traveled far and wide without railway, without an automobile, without an airplane, either on foot, on camel, on mule, on a horse, some way or another. Jesus made his way into all the villages of Galilee. But now here he is in the coastal plains of Tyre and Sidon. And verse 22 makes it very plain that out of the coast came a lady. Why did she come? Because the Bible says in the Gospel of Mark's account that he could not be hidden even though he wanted to. He went into a home. 
but the word was spread. Jesus has come. Now, I've already read with you the verses where the maimed were healed, the crippled walked, the blind and dumb were able to see. So you can imagine why people came from near and afar to be in this man's presence. He obviously knew something about ministering to people that the scribes, the Pharisees, and the priests didn't know. She was a woman of Canaan, a Gentile, a non-Jewish person without a covenant. Mark says she was Syrophoenician, which means she likely spoke a language that was different than what the Jewish people spoke. But this woman, having lived in that house with a daughter that was oppressed by, vexed by, likely possessed by a demon power, she thought, I need to go and talk to somebody that can help. Obviously, Jesus is the one that can do that. I don't know how far she traveled, but I do know it must have been a burden upon her. And notice her statement in verse 22, when she comes to Jesus, have mercy on me. She didn't say have mercy on my daughter. Have mercy on me. This is her kind of intercession. It might seem like a selfish statement, but it isn't. This is a lady that's been taking care of her daughter for who knows how long. And if you consider the fact that it's a burden on her, it taxes her to be behind closed doors looking after this lady who likely required 24-hour care. Have mercy on me. You ever thought about the people who privately have to look after children that were born with some kind of physical deformity? Or somebody who has an autistic child that can't really go out in the presence of other people and have to keep them behind closed doors, unable to even come to church, having to get babysitters to stay at home with them. And of course, when they leave and go to church, it's a time of refreshment. But then when they walk back into that environment, they've got to deal with that infirmity again and again. And you know, there are some people who travel far and wide to get to a meeting where they believe Jesus is manifesting. I've never mocked anyone, never teased anyone who puts some person with a paralysis or some kind of dreadful disease in a car and then drive six or seven hours to go to a meeting where they pray for the sick. There are a whole lot of people say, well, I just wouldn't waste my time doing that. But you don't understand what goes on behind closed doors. We can't read between the lines and see what this lady was going through. But we do know this. She threw all caution to the wind. She wanted to be in the presence of the king. And she came and said, Lord, have mercy on me. Show me compassion. Some favor, God. Because by having mercy on me, that means you'd heal my daughter. So you ought not ever harass or bother anyone who goes to some meeting where they pray for the sick. They come from long distances sometimes. I recall a time somebody heard us on radio Sunday morning. They thought the broadcast was live. They were way up on Highway 80, coming from Colorado, going through Iowa. 
They got up near the exit where you get off there near Grand Island to come south to make your way to Red Cloud about an hour and 20 minutes. And here this man got off the highway, drove as fast as he could to get to Revival Tabernacle, thinking that the service was just concluding. And there were only a handful of people left in the facility when he arrived. I kind of watched as the car pulled up, trying to figure out who this was. I saw the door open. He went around to the other side, grabbed his wife, stood her up, and, le- and brought her shuffling into the church. She had Alzheimer's. And he had driven from that highway all the way down just because he wanted me to just lay hands on his wife and pray for which we did. And no sooner had we said amen in the prayer, he dropped an offering into the receptacle. And then he headed right back to his car, went north and got back on the highway. And somebody might wonder, why would anybody drive that far to get somebody to pray for him? But when you've been married for decades to the love of your life, And you're slowly watching your spouse come to the place where they no longer recognize you. You're reaching out to God any way you can. I don't know what the end story is with that particular couple, but I can tell you one thing. It's just like the woman of Canaan coming out of the coast, looking for an answer, looking for Jesus to touch Her daughter, and the Bible makes it plain in verse 22, she accurately diagnosed the issue. My daughter is vexed with a devil. She sees it. She knows it. She's in the house with it. This is demonic. Understand. For a mother to get involved with prayer for deliverance for her child, she needs to know her child is in need of deliverance. But I wonder how many parents there are, how many mothers there are that go to God privately in prayer because they see that their son or their daughter is oppressed. All of us are the product of prayer. But I guarantee you there were certain prayers people had to pray for some of you that they didn't have to pray for some of us. And that prayer had to be one that was one of deliverance because mom and dad were able to perceive that someone is in the clutches of the devil. I'm in a personality change just like that. I've seen people, they're doing well. I mean, even if they don't know God, they're doing well. They're sensible people. But suddenly there's a shift in their temperament and you know something terrible is happening because they started running with the wrong people. And before you know it, they're involved with things they shouldn't be involved with. What does mama do? She bows her knees, begins to talk to God. Father, my boy needs deliverance, Lord. That's a mama interceding because she doesn't want to see her daughter continue in this particular situation. It is the devil that oppresses. It is the devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It is the devil that puts and imposes sicknesses on people. It is the devil that comes to alter people's personalities. It is the devil that comes to steal our minds. It is the devil that comes in and fights against our organs to destroy us. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Can you say amen? If you know that the devil is behind a circumstance, then you know how to pray. You can adequately 
diagnose the situation, then you can pray. Now, we prayed for a lot of people that were oppressed by the adversary and seen God do wonderful things. I know that one morning early in our years here in Nebraska, may have even been before we started the church here, got a phone call, someone down in Lebanon, Kansas, had a boy that was sitting in the dark in that home and had a pistol in their hand and was talking about killing himself. So that mama called me and she said, Brother Daryl, four o'clock in the morning, Pastor Daryl, could you come down here? My boy is about to commit suicide. Well, I knew that was a devil. And so I said to her, I'll I'll be there. Give me the address. She gave it to me. I told Tiff, I said, I don't know what this is going to be like. So you just stay right here in the house and I'm heading down there. Well, I made that 20 something mile drive there and I get to the house, pull up. It's pitch black. Not a light on anywhere. And they know the pastor's coming. I mean, not a light on. I knocked on that door. Sure enough, that lady of the house opened it up. I said, where is he? She said, down the hall and around in there. So I went down that dark hall. Still not a light on at all. I walked around there and he's sitting there in the shadows and he's holding a gun like he wanted to take his life. This was oppressive. I knew this was demonic. But after standing there talking to him for a few moments, I walked over there to where he was and I just snatched that gun out of his hand and I said, come out of him in the name of Jesus. If You were going to kill yourself. You'd have did it long before I got here. We prayed for him and God did a work in that boy's life. And mama was quite happy afterwards. Now, here's the point. Mama reached out to somebody she believed could help. She didn't go to a Pharisee. She didn't go to a scribe. She didn't look for a priest. She looked for someone that believed in the mighty power of deliverance. And that's what intercession is about. Why waste your time going to somebody who doesn't believe in praying for the sick if you've got somebody sick in your family? Why waste your time going to tell somebody that you believe somebody's oppressed when somebody will say, well, you know, devils don't exist anymore. They died when Peter and them died. They they kicked them all out of planet Earth. But if you know the scriptures, then you know you can go to God. And there's a power that sets the captive free. But this lady brought her petition to Jesus. That first sentence of verse 23 is heartbreaking. He didn't say a word to her. Oh, my goodness. Silence. How difficult is that? When you're praying to God and God doesn't say anything in reply. When you're waiting on God to say something to you about your circumstance and he doesn't say anything. It's not that he's not listening. It's not that he's not paying attention. But when he speaks, he's going to say the right thing that provokes the right response. Now, Jesus didn't say anything, but the disciples started talking. They came and said, Lord, send her away. She's crying after us. Now, when I read the different accounts in the Gospels, the lady never one time mentioned Peter's name. And she never one time said, Thomas, we're here to see you. Not one time did she say anything to someone by the name of Matthew. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, son of David, have mercy 
on me. But what does it, what do the disciples say? Lord, she's crying after us. She ain't thinking about you boys. She wants Jesus in the midst of her problem. So you can see that even followers of Jesus sometimes can try to stand in between you and your blessing in God. They can try to hinder you from receiving the blessing God wants for you. There are a whole lot of people like that. There are Christian people that tell you that. Well, honey, listen. It's, it's terrible that your daughter is in this condition. But this just may very well be God's way of teaching you how to come closer to him. That's a disciple getting in the way of your blessing. Somebody could say, well, I just don't think you should go out of your way to call a bunch of people and get people involved on the prayer line and a prayer team and a prayer chain. Because, you know, things like that don't always work. See, The disciple saying, send her away. Now, you're not praying to the person you're talking to. You're praying to God, but your friend sometimes is the one trying to hinder you from getting to God. So I'm telling you, even when that happens, stay there in the presence of Jesus. and Don't let anybody discourage you when you're trying to talk to God. As long as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost exist, there is something called hope. And as long as you can have faith in your heart, you can expect God to help you. Don't let somebody discourage you. Send her away. She's crying after us. Hadn't mentioned your name at all, James and John. So verse 24, when Jesus spoke, he said, I'm only only sent to the lost sheep. He's making it very plain. My ministry is only to the house of Israel. Then my question would have been, if I was this lady, then why are you in this region? See, if your ministry is only to Jewish people, why come up here? Let's never forget that Tyre and Sidon was part of The Old Testament promised land by extension. But this lady had sense enough to know that if you have come into this region from all that I've heard about your mercy, your compassion, your graciousness, I can believe you'll help me too. I've never heard of you telling someone no. So here I've come. Here I've come, Jesus And she came and verse 25 says she worshiped him. Now, that's an interesting statement there because she changes her approach. Her first approach in the house was simply to come with these titles to let him know that I know that you're the anointed one, son of David, that you have come in fulfillment of messianic prophecies. But when that didn't get the right response from the king, she changes and she worships him. Have you ever done that? Have you ever got down on your knees and put your forehead on the ground and humbled yourself privately in the presence of the Lord? You say, well, pastor, you don't understand. My bunions won't allow me to do that. I've got creaks and problems. But have you ever tried to prostrate yourself in some way to humble yourself? Have you ever stretched out on the bed and just simply said, God, I worship you? What does that mean? When you worship him, you're not even really asking for anything. Now you're just glorying in his presence. Father, I adore you. 
I worship you. You are holy, God. There's no one like you, God, to just worship him. And in that presence, then you can provide your petition. And as she worshiped him, she came to a point where she said, Lord, help me. See, help me. Out of weakness, she spoke to her God who possessed strength. And Jesus again spoke to her. Said, it's not good to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Children's bread. This is the type of healing. That's what she wanted. She wanted deliverance for her daughter. She wanted healing for her daughter. Jesus calls it children's bread because it was for the children of Israel. It was for those who were Jewish, descendants of Abraham, that had a covenant with him. And he said, it's not good for me to take what is for them and give it to somebody else. And she's not asking him to take what's for them and give to her. She's saying there are some crumbs somewhere that I can use. You can still be everything you need to be to the Jewish people, Lord. Just don't forget about me. Now, the Greek word for dogs here is referring to small little puppies. Of course, you know, everybody likes puppies. You know, even even people who don't like Great Danes like Great Dane puppies. You know, puppies are cute. You see people, they get down on the ground and play with them little puppies the way they play with a little kid sometimes. I mean, they lay down on their back and a little puppy crawls all over them and they're happy. And, you know, contrary to some teachings today about the keeping of canines, you know, chocolate won't kill them. When I was a kid with my puppies, you know what? My, my little puppies ate as much Hershey's as I did. I'm just telling the truth. They ate as many Snickers bars as I did. Three musketeer bars and all, and they all survived. And I hear people say, well, you can't let the little dog have chocolate because it'll mess his insides up and he'd fall over dead. Mine would jump back up on the couch and say, please, let's do that one more time. <laughs> let's try that again. Yeah. So how do we handle puppies? How do we handle Dogs. Jesus gives us a lesson here in how to handle someone that is hungering after the children's bread. What do you do? You give them what they're asking for. That's what he does. He said, it's not good to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. She said, you've spoken correctly, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. There has to be a power and some healing and some deliverance for us that are not Jewish. Jesus made sure that she understood how to get it, and it was by faith. All over this earth, folks, there are mothers that are crying out for their children, for their spouses, for their churches, for their pastors, for their homes. Because as sure as we're in here tonight, I give you my word, in one of these county jails, there's a young man, a young woman sitting in there, and there's a mom and dad who are at wit's end. 
And they're tired of bailing that kid out. But you know, behind closed doors, mom and dad are still praying. Still praying. Somewhere here in America, and I know here in Nebraska, there's somebody in the ICU or somebody who's dying, and there are moms and dads and grandparents walking up and down the hallways. And they're praying. Say, oh God, could you touch my little infant? This little boy won't die. Help my teenage son. Lord, I've lived a good, full life. My teenage son has never known a day where he has been healthy for at least a month. Lord, I'm interceding now. Folks, this is what this lady is doing. This is what intercession is about. It's about persistence. Even when you're not hearing what you want to hear and you don't understand what God is saying to you, stay right there in the presence of God and say, I'm not leaving till you give me what I desire. I want to see my relative made whole. Yeah, don't give up. Because your blessing may just be a few moments away. Right around the corner. I think I may have told you before about the young lady who was raised in a good church. And, you know, as long as she was a toddler and a young person, loved God. But got out on her own, went in the wrong direction. Fell in love with the wrong man. He just took her further from God. But yet, mom and dad kept praying in that church. When those folks would end the service and people would be in the back fellowshipping or standing between the pews talking, mom and dad would come down in that altar, just bow their knees somewhere privately for a few moments and just pray for their daughter. And uh, they liked to dance and go out to parties and clubbing and things like that. Until one night, that's where they were, out on the dance floor. And the daughter was out there dancing with someone. Her fiance, I think, was dancing with someone else. The band had all the music that was playing. And and suddenly the, the young lady, she has a vision while she's out there dancing. The floor disappears. She sees flames of fire coming up and she feels like she's descending. And she starts crying out as loud as she can for Jesus. And I mean, it was so loud, the band stopped playing the music. Her fiance ran over there to see what's going on. I said, what, 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 what's happening? What's happening? She said, take me now to my parents' house. He said, do you know what time it is? It's after midnight. She said, I don't care. Take me home. Went to her parents' house. And of course, parents know, you know, after midnight, one o'clock, 2 a.m., you start hearing somebody banging on the door. That's never a good sign. You wake up from a dead sleep to knocks on the door, on the window pane, you're wondering what's going on. So the mom and dad woke up trying to figure out what's going on, woke, woke the, uh, wiped the sleep out of their eyes, went to the front door, opened it up, and that daughter fell in their arms saying, please forgive me, mama, daddy. Gave her heart back to the Lord. But you know what? I don't know if it would have happened had it not been for a mom and dad interceding and praying. Someone has to care in that house. Someone has to care in that church. Jesus looked at this lady and in verse 28 said again in reply, O woman, great is thy faith. Didn't matter her ethnicity now, you see. Didn't matter whether she was rich or poor, tall or fat, black, beige, white, red, yellow. Didn't matter now. 
O woman, great is thy faith. The exhibition that she put on in the presence of Jesus Christ was different than anything she'd seen anywhere else because she stayed right there. With a daughter grievously vexed of the devil, she heard Jesus was coming. She said, I'm going there. She believed. When she got there, she spoke to Jesus. And here were the disciples saying, get her out of here. And she stayed right there. Jesus didn't say a word to her. She never left. And yet when Jesus spoke to her, it seemingly was a derogatory statement. What did she do? She stayed right there. When it's all over, Jesus said, woman, you have great faith. I'm telling you, folks, don't give up. I don't care what the circumstances look like. And it doesn't matter what you believe you're hearing from the Lord. You may be misunderstanding what God is saying, because ultimately, I can promise you, he wants to see you and your child and your family whole and healed and delivered. There's no doubt about that, folks. We have a covenant with the king. And because she ended up staying in the presence of the Lord, Christ ended up in agreement with her. I wonder sometimes how many men and women parents have prayed out of the lives of their kids. Yeah. I wonder how many open doors have parents prayed shut when they saw their kids going down the wrong road. I know that as a pastor, I've agreed with a whole lot of parents behind closed doors and we've you know, prayed prayers somewhat like this. Oh, God, this boy is devilish. Get him out of here. Like that, yeah. Sometimes with, with the ladies, too. Why, why do you pray that? Because we don't want anybody vexed by evil. And when we got people that know God, we want to see the relationships remain intact with God. Anything that leads you further away from God can't be God. See? Remember the story where Jesus came to the man and the man had a son that was throwing himself in the fire and he's trying to kill himself. And Jesus said, how long has he been like this? He said, since he was a child. Child? You mean to tell me the devil can get in a child? That a child can become a channel in which evil comes to express itself? Yes, that's what Jesus was saying. And I've told all of our families through the years out here, Be very careful about where you let them go and spend the night. Yeah. All it takes is one event, one night, to change somebody's life forever. Mess them up. That's all. That's all it takes. My wife can tell you, we've we've had young people we've seen that were just absolutely beautiful. Beautiful in their temperament, their personality. Go off to another town, spend the night with some relatives or some friends, and then come back in the next school year. Just totally different. There's a shift in everything spiritual in their life. And it's not till years later when we talk to them as adults, when they come out of it, that they tell us where they were and how it happened. Folks, one event can destroy a person's life for a lot of years. But I do want you to know that even though that one event occurs, that one event does not have to define his or her life. Somebody can come to know him. And when Jesus gets involved, lives are changed. The final sentence of verse 28 says, and her daughter was made whole from that very hour. 
Now, I don't know if the daughter even realizes what mama went through to get her healed. And I don't know if mama ever told her. But all of us that are here right now, have you ever considered the sacrifice it was for your parents to raise you? Daddy couldn't make it to all the football games because you complained that daddy was working all the time. But because daddy was working all the time, that's why you had a little money to buy your outfit for your football game. That's why you had a little bit of money to pay the fee for the summer sports. You said, well, I I just wish we would have had more resources in the house. Yes, maybe. It's always nice when the mom and pops both can be around. I loved it when my mom was at home and I'd come home from elementary school, but when their marriage fell apart, she had to go back to work. I missed her being at home when I got there. But there are a whole lot of families where there would be more income if they had two parties working, but sometimes a mom and dad have agreed, we want you here and we'll sacrifice that additional income just to have you in the presence of the kids. God bless us. Maybe people don't always have everything that they want. But then even in those places where you have two parties working, God's big enough, strong enough in his grace to give wisdom, to show how it can be done, and to still raise up a generation of godly seed that still loves the king. Because mom and dads can still talk to their kids at night and make sure that they spend time with them. So folks, I'm telling you right here that This daughter was made whole that very hour. She may not have ever known everything her mama did to get her healed. But I can tell you, however it turned out, mama was quite happy to walk back in that house and see that face of that little girl, how it used to be, you know. That's my little girl. Yeah. Thank God for mamas. Yeah. Praise the Lord for mamas. Praise the Lord for ladies that intercede. Praise the Lord for ladies that take the time to pray. All of us men, we're better men now because of our ladies. And of course, some of you men require more prayer than some of us other men. So that means that the ladies have to do a lot more praying, you know. But, you know, for folks like me, Randy and Todd, the wives don't hardly have to pray at all. Just everything flows, you know. But some of you other ones, some of you other ones, oh my goodness, just live on their knees. You call their house, say, where, 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 where's your mom at? She's on her knees again. Yeah, yeah. Come on, let's stand. And uh, Phyllis, could you play that? There's just something about that name again, just a little bit of that. I, I want us to, for a moment, just think about... <clears throat> Who there is in your family that you believe is oppressed by the devil. Let me give a definition of what I mean by oppressed. If, If someone has thinking that is in agreement with the devil and the culture of this world, and they are wholly antagonistic to the word of God, And the beliefs of the kingdom of God, I'm telling you, that's a mind dominated by the devil. But we can pray for cousins, we can pray for aunts, we can pray 
for other people and believe that as we're praying, God's stirring the pot, making it uncomfortable for people. And folks, don't don't be afraid to pray that kind of prayer. Say, Lord, make it uncomfortable for them. You've heard me plenty of times say, Lord, I pray that they can't sleep at night. You hear me, Julian? I prayed that plenty of times. Lord, don't let them sleep at night, but let them toss and turn in your grace so that you invade their dreams and their visions. And no matter where they go, they see you. And the sound of every barking dog and the sound of every cat's meow in the twirling of every petal on a flower, let them see you, God. So let's just take a few moments and intercede for people in our lives. There may be people you were thinking about as I was teaching. Let's just pray right now. Father, as you think about the, the names and the faces in our hearts right now, we're praying for a mighty delivering power to touch them. You, oh God, are greater than every obstacle. Here's a woman, Lord, that came out of the coast to a home where you were residing, and she got a miracle for her daughter. So, Father, we're praying for that son, that daughter, that niece, that nephew, that grandma, that grandpa. We're praying, oh God, for that wayward spouse, that enemy that persecutes us. We're praying for that cousin, oh God, that's opposed to the truths of the word of God. And we're asking you, God, have mercy. Save them, deliver them, rescue them, pull them up out of the clutches of the adversary. We're asking for you to do something wonderful in their lives right now. Let the miracle begin as we pray, God. And we thank you for your mighty outstretched hand reaching down into someone's car, into someone's home, into someone's bedroom. Touch them as they're in the middle of a bar or saloon tonight, God. And they're wasting their children's money on liquor. We pray for divine intervention, Lord. Because, God, you're able to do that. And you've always been a good advocate. Provided a good mediator for us. But over and over again, you've shown yourself strong. That's our prayer, God. We worship you and praise you because you're lovely. You're the lily of the valley. There's no one quite like you in all the earth. Praise God. We're going to sing through that song one more time as she plays. Praise God. Here we go, folks. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms 
will all pass away. Oh, there's something about that name. Yes, oh God. Your presence, God. We love you tonight. We honor you tonight. Bless your mighty name, O God. What a Savior, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. You believe he's a deliverer tonight? I believe that too, folks. What a God. What a Savior. There's never been anyone like him in all of the earth. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Father, we know that as we've gathered in this place, we've had a few moments to worship you and to fellowship with one another. We've heard the word now. You've spoken to all of our hearts. And now, God, as we depart from this place, but never from your presence, We know, O God, that you'll be with us all when we gather again. In the matchless name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.